y'all, I'm Mel, and you are listening to Wilma the Wonder Hen. Are you a chicken math-loving mama or daddy? Together we'll dive into the latest poultry-keeping adventures, chat about everyday life, with a generous mix of some hilarious stories. Bringing you fascinating interviews with poultry owners from all over. You'll find tips and basic advice from your local veterinarian, along with new chicken-keeping gadgets and reviews. I'm going to see what Mr. Jangles and Wilma has to say about that. We're going to encourage and help you build a stronger, healthier flock. Let's go see what Mr. Jangles and Wilma is up to. Let's go let these heifers out. Hey y'all, welcome back. Today's guest is Jennifer. She is a wife, a mother, a humanitarian, a carpenter, and a longtime animal lover. Basically, she's a jack of all trades. Welcome, Jennifer. We are so glad that you are here with us. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad to be here. I have to tell you a little story about Jennifer before we get into our whole interview. I had a very precious old English gamer bantam. Her name was Miss Brittany. And Miss Brittany passed away in January. Miss Jennifer didn't know we were going to talk about this, but I, I just feel <laughs> like it's necessary. Well, anyways, Miss Brittany passed away and Miss Jennifer had a, commissioned a picture of Miss Brittany and had it painted. Soulful chickens up in Montreal. And Miss Jennifer handmade out of, uh, I believe it's walnut. So you said those are your two favorites. So that's what you got. <laughs> and it came and it is absolutely the most beautiful thing. And it hangs on my wall in the living room. So if you want to see it, you can go over on Instagram. There is a video I made of it. It, it really is probably the most special thing I've ever received. And I'm forever grateful. So thank you, Miss Jennifer. You're most welcome. It was my pleasure. You've been such a great friend, and I'm really glad that I could give you something that you will cherish. I will, and I do. Well, Miss Jennifer, can you give us a little backstory, a Jennifer 101, anything you want to elaborate on? I think your bio is, is quite <laughs> impressive. I mean... I'm on my second career, <laughs> probably going to be moving into my third career here soon. I, I don't want to stay in one thing for too long because otherwise it starts to get redundant. So I uh, started out in the 90s working in large animal veterinary medicine, uh, did that until the dairy uh, field and the dairy practices started to move out of state. And then I had to start looking around at what else I was going to do with my life because moving to Montana wasn't on my thing, uh, list of things to do. So uh, I looked at going back to school and uh, took the decision to go and study overseas. So I went to France and studied there. And I have, I'm going to have to translate this now into English because I almost never say it in English. <laughs> uh, I have an international, uh, an MBA, I guess that's the closest thing you could say it is, um, in international trade with a focus on international trade law. So that is my current right now. And <laughs> that's what I'm doing. But I've never really escaped my uh, animal roots, if you want, because that's always been and probably will be a lifelong passion for me. I just love animals. I, I want to give to them. They enrich my life. They enrich the lives of others. And I want to make sure that I'm able to give back. And I think you do that quite well. I think you are a huge advocate for chickens and other animals, of course, too. But you share a lot of love for. You have to tell us the story of how your little flock came to be. <laughs> that is a fascinating story. One that doesn't really happen very often. So you go ahead, Jennifer. No, it's I probably am on the far end of the unique spectrum with this one. So 
Um, I actually had no intention of getting chickens. It wasn't even something in my mind. We had three dogs and that was enough animals for us living in the city. Two years ago, I put the dogs outside to go potty and my dogs are usually pretty good. They'll go out, especially in the wintertime, it was raining. Uh, they'll go out, they'll do their business. They'll come right back to the door. This night they did not. And it was midnight and I've got neighbors and I'm just freaking out. I'm hollering at my dogs. They're not coming back. So I had to wander outside in the rain and I walk around to the back side of the house. And as I approach the far side of my house, which I have to walk all the way around to get to in the light of my cell phone, because I didn't even have a large torch or anything. I was just my cell phone light. I start to see my dog up on his hind legs and he's just a little guy. He's a little Italian greyhound. Uh, so he's barely, his nose is just barely touching underneath the window ledge at the very bottom. And as I approach, I see this little tiny chicken come into the frame of the light. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? So I'm expecting, because my all the experience I had with chickens up to that point was when I was a kid and chickens from when I was a kid, you approach them and they run away. So I'm expecting this bird to just fly away the second I get close enough. Uh, nope, that was not the case. I walked up. She let me pick her up. She didn't struggle with me. She didn't fight. She didn't do anything. Uh, picked her up, walked back in the house. My husband was working late on whatever project. I don't remember what it was he was working on, but I opened the office door and it's like midnight and I stand there in the door, give him a couple of seconds to like recognize that I'm there. And he looks at me and he looks down in my arms and he looks up at me and then he goes, why do you have a chicken? <laughs> it was like mid midnight. I'm going, um, it was on the window outside and it's raining and cold and I don't know where the thing came from you know, I'm just going to bring her inside. So that night we made her a bed in the shower because I didn't have any place to keep a chicken. So I went and grabbed some boxes and made like a meat, uh, like a makeshift perch inside of our shower, which has closing doors and stuff. So I figured that that would work and it sprays down and everything. So that's where she slept the first night. Um, the next day started going around to all the neighbors. Does anybody know who this chicken belongs to? I knew it wasn't a wild chicken because she had a band on her wing. It had to be somebody's chicken. But we could not identify where she was from. And after about a week, we posted on Craigslist. We poked on Neighborhood. We posted on a whole bunch of things. Nobody came and said that they were missing a chicken. So my daughter's like, Mom, can't we just keep her? Aww. And I was like, I guess we can keep her. So I set about making a coop for her. And then my mom says, well, you can't just have one chicken. You got to have a little friend for her. So on Mother's Day, which is about two and a half months after we got her, because we got her at the end of, uh, well, she arrived. She got us. She found you. Yes, she did. At the end of uh, Mother's Day on that same May, uh, we got Annie, our little barred rock. And she came to us baboon butt red from being plucked in a large flock of hens that had a very small. Yeah. So, so we got Annie. That's all she wrote. From there, I was hooked. The two little babies, they were just so cute. Um, I know clip any of my chicken's wings, so Agnes very well could have left the same way she arrived. She's never tried to. So she, she's ours. <laughs> she knew she found the mother load. Yeah, I guess so. But she's been the most sweet little thing. Although when she goes broody, she's a handful. So how many chickens do you have now? So you just started with Miss Agnes, right? She just, She's the one that just showed up. And then you got a barred rock. Yeah, since we live in the city, we're limited on how many we're allowed to have legally without a permit. So we currently have three. Annie passed away last year in June. Uh, we had the four at the time when she passed. So we've got three. We've got 
Abby, who is a Plymouth Rock. Yeah. We've got Lucy, who's a was sold as an Americana, but I'm quite certain that she is just an Easter Egger. <laughs> and then we've got Miss Agnes, who is our standard OEG. And Miss Agnes is a cutie. She is little Miss Personality. She wants to sit with her mom all the time. Do you keep them as pets in the house? They they are allowed to come in the house. They do not live in the house. So I have a coop that I have built for them in the backyard and we have cordoned off the backyard so that part of it is just for chickens. So they're allowed access to the deck. They have a little garden around our lemon tree and then they've got their little coop that's uh, right there in that same space. We don't give them full access to the yard because they'll tear up all the landscaping in the back. (laughs) This is very true. I was talking to my daughter about this yesterday because I'm getting ready to plant my uh, vegetable garden and well, once the frost is over, but put yeah. some fencing up, of course. Since you have previous um, experience working with animals, uh, what do you think is lacking for your average backyard chicken keeper? What information or where do you think you would send someone who is just getting new chick or maybe they're struggling with getting to an avian veterinarian? What are those resources that you would share with someone? There's so much misinformation on the internet. That's the hardest part. I think that I have at this point found three or four sources where I would comfortably send someone because I know that the information they're sharing has been vetted with veterinary and poultry medical professionals, especially. So that would be the chicken chick. Uh, I love her blog that she has online. I love the fact she's also an attorney. So she's the way she does her research and goes about it is very quite methodical. And she's very careful not to produce provide any information that she hasn't vetted with one of her poultry vets that she works with. Um, so I feel very confident in providing somebody her information. For somebody who's looking for a vet, I would send them to poultrymd.com. I think it's poultrymd.com, but there's a, a mm-hmm. website where you can go and get information. And that's actually the second website because it has more than just information about the the veterinarians, but it has information about worming and different drugs and other things that you can do that um, can help, you know, a beginner. It, and it's a bit more on the advanced side, I would say, uh, with some of the materials. So that's one of my favorite sites, actually. Mm-hmm. When someone asks me a question and I'm not sure of, I'll look and uh, see if articles have been published what their findings and things. Yeah, yeah. I second that. Yeah. And then thirdly, it's got to be our TikTok chicken group. I, I think that once you've seen what people are doing, and you kind of get a sense that who knows what they're doing, and who's still kind of learning the ropes, you know who your sources are. So you're one of my top people when I got to throw some ideas off the wall, you know, I'm pinging you. <laughs> I certainly don't have the same level of experience as you do, because you've been doing this way longer than me. I appreciate that. And that's very kind of you. The information that we do have, experience we have, I think we should be willing to share that with others in regards to their chicken doesn't look well or, you know, what do I do about this? And I always say Mm -hmm. I am not a veterinarian, but I'm going to tell you what I would do. Follow that with you do your own research and figure out what's best for you. But a lot of these people are really desperate. We as a chicken community is to help others. Obviously, a veterinarian, an avian veterinarian is, that's where you should be going as a veterinarian yeah. that specializes in poultry. But that we have talked about in previous episodes, it's not easy to find those if you live in yeah. very rural areas. 
So I think we should, instead of just saying, oh, well, you're on your own, you can't find a vet, we should step up and say, this is what I would do. Exactly. It's very difficult to provide medical advice. Um, It's always risky to provide medical advice. But I think that there are certain things that we can recommend that are safe. So say, for instance, you know, first, first thing I always think about is nutritional deficiencies. What, because new chicken owners often, they don't realize that they need what they really need to be feeding their birds. So nine times out of 10, when somebody's come to me and ask, and I ask them what they're feeding, they're not feeding the right thing. So it almost always turns out to be something that can be resolved with correction of diet. And when that's not the case, then yeah, I start to look at, do you have medical services available to you in your area? Uh, Sadly, a lot of people don't. And even the ones that do maybe don't even have the um, monetary capabilities to take them because it's, if, it's not cheap to take your animals to the vet. It's really overly expensive, in my opinion. I can't believe how much the prices have raised since I was working in the field. It's crazy. This is very true. And that's what I want to really hit home about. Some people cannot afford an avian veterinarian. Okay, and then you say, well, you shouldn't have chickens if you can't afford a vet. Well, some people use them for sustainability for their family, and there is nothing wrong with that. But there are times when you just honestly can't afford a veterinarian. We can certainly provide them with information that will reduce the risk that their chickens are actually going to experience, therefore reducing the amount of times that they actually might need to seek medical attention. That's the best thing we can do for them, I think. That's a very good point. Yep. Or things that they can figure out how to fix on their own, safely fix on their own. Yes, we want to empower them. And and I I love and appreciate the vegan people in our group. I want to say that I really do. The people that are vegan in our group are very thoughtful and without pushing their ideas and their agendas down people's throats. A lot of the things that I'm seeing that come from some of the more militant vegans online is, is that they fail to recognize that as long as there is food scarcity, people are going to need to be able to raise their own food. And when you are living in a place where you have a food desert or you do not have a sufficient food available to you and your family, beggars cannot be choosers. You've got to eat what's available to you. So whether that's eggs, whether that's the animals that you're raising, whatever it is, they need to be mindful of those things. Until we can cure poverty hunger. I'm sorry, being a vegan, that's something that is a luxury. You're absolutely right. Okay, Miss Jennifer, could you share with our listeners a little bit about your future plans and goals? So this is the part that I find exciting. This is going to be career number three for me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping it will be the one that that is kind of takes me out that's that's the the last career change I'm going to do. Um, my husband is originally from Portugal, and at the end of 2019, we bought an olive farm in Portugal in his hometown. So where I see myself going is I'm hoping in the next five years or so we will be moving out of the U.S. and over to Portugal to start our farm there, and then I'm gonna get me a proper flock. Not that my girls aren't proper, but I'm going to give me a proper flock of <laughs> babies. I'm going to build the, the Taj Mahal of chicken <laughs> coops, put those carpentry skills to use. <laughs> I told my husband because he he's not a fan of having them in the house, but he's been very 
let's say tolerant. I think that's the best way I could say he's been tolerant because he knows how much I love my babies. But we have the agreement that when we move to the farm, I won't let them in the main house. I'll build a house where I can go hang out with them. And that will be the house for chickens and people who want to hang out with them. <laughs> well, I told him I'm going to set up my office out there. I'm going to like build like a she shed, right? So that it will have, I set up my office. So I want to have internet and everything. And so I can work if I need to or consult or do those kinds of things on the side. Then if I want to open the door and let my little babies come into my office with me, they can come in. And when they go to bed at night, it's right there. So it'll kind of be like a shared space, but that has a <laughs> break. He's, he's already sending me <laughs> plans for this thing. What do you think about this one? What does this look like? How about this one? I think this one will look good on the farm. What do you think? I think he's ready to That's have the hilarious. chickens be outside. Well, we're going to just have to see how it goes. I'm trying to uh, figure out the ways I will keep myself busy when we're on the farm outside of harvest season. Because with olives, it's harvest season is just uh, October, November, December, depending on the year and when your olives ripen. I would love goats. I'm not going to do any cows because I just don't want to deal with a breeding program um, and keeping a cow, unless I did like an animal sanctuary, which is something I'm thinking about doing. But um, it will be weird because the area of the country that we're in, well, I guess they'll just chalk it up to me being the weird American. That's mostly what they do right now when I do things. <laughs> Everybody's so lovely. But when I do something that's like so not Portuguese, especially from their region, they're like, oh, she's American. That's okay. <laughs> I just get away with the being, oh, that she's American. That's the weird stuff they do. <laughs> I think you're my new best friend. That's all I got to say. Well, you better come visit me when we're over there. Oh, that's my dream. That is definitely my dream. My dream is to go over there with you. You better. I'll be so sad if you don't come. <laughs> I've already got my bags packed. I got my passport ready. There we go. I, I don't have my passport ready. I'm still waiting for the U.S. to renew it. <laughs> You know, us people in the backwoods, we still travel out of the U.S. I'm sure you guys do. There's got to be plenty of people traveling everywhere. I wish more Americans traveled, honestly. I like to see other places. I mean, it's great. I love it here on the Heifer Farm, but I certainly want to see all the places outside of the U.S. We're not the only people who have chickens, so... That's right. And actually, since we've joined TikTok, it's been fun to see what some of the other people are doing in some of the other countries. I don't know if you're getting that coming through on your feed, but I've had people coming through from Norway, Germany, France, Portugal. So I've got a whole bunch of new people that I'm following from outside the US, outside of, you know, obviously we're all getting the people in the UK and Australia because they're English speaking. But yeah, it's been fun. It is based on who you like, but I think it's also on your language preferences. So if you go into your settings and you choose other languages, that means that you're willing to consume videos that are not in English, then you'll start to see some of the other ones. So once I changed that language setting, I started to get some of the other ones. And it, uh, to me, it doesn't matter if I understand them or not. If the video is cute or whatever, I'm happy to consume that content. I do get a lot of messages from other countries, they want me to look at their chickens, and they're so mm -hmm. proud of how beautiful they are. I went and downloaded the Google Translate uh, app, and then we actually had a conversation, and they were telling me about these chickens they had for many years. Like, it was a generational chicken. It was this particular breed. 
at the end of it, they wanted to ship me like a few of their eggs. Oh, nice. Came from this special breed and they have a YouTube channel and I can't pronounce any of it. So I'm very sorry. But this YouTube channel has like thousands and thousands of subscribers. It's a big deal in their country. And they wanted to send me a few of their eggs, which I explained, you know, we really can't do that. That would be considered a live animal. And there's like whole regular. It's not. It's not. No. So here we go. Professional (laughs) import expert. This is what I do all day long. So importing of hatching eggs is, um, depending on the country, it can be permissible. It does not consider it a live animal because they're not yet hatched. However, the shipping and the international shipping risk that the eggs will arrive to you viable is problematic. So it's not impossible. It's not, I'm not going to say it's not easy either, uh, but it is doable. But you do have to know that it kind of needs to be like a large order and that you're going to actually get a really no, low number of chicks that would actually hatch once they arrive just because of the roughness of shipping and potentially being irradiated when through the x-ray machines and other things that can cause problems. Yeah. But I didn't know it was permissible. Wow. It is. You can actually do it with hatching eggs. Live animals is a lot more difficult. So if it was already hatched, that would be more problematic than just hatching eggs. But it's possible. Well, thank you for that tip. You're welcome. Trust me, I looked at it already because when you and I were talking about, and I was thinking about wanting to take some hatching eggs with me over to Portugal to start my uh, little flock over there. So I was looking into the regulations, both on the U.S. and the European Union side. So. Well, thank you for sharing that with all of our listeners. I appreciate you. No worries. What do you think the chicken community is lacking? What do you think we could each do to make it a better place? That would be really hard for me to say. I don't feel like I've been a member of it long enough to see the weaknesses outside of the large variability in information that is shared out there. So much of it not science-based, I guess that would be the hardest thing. Or the the thing I see the most difficult is just weeding through the amount of misinformation. And how much of this is people posting, well, this is the way my grandparents have done it forever and ever. So so not willing to change or to consider new ideas or new ways of doing things simply because that's the way we've always done it. So I guess that would be it being open to new ideas and new ways of doing things and methods of making choices or determining whether or not something is a good fit or should be tried or if it's worth trying, whether it would increase risk or decrease risks for your animals. Because ultimately, I think everything we try to do is all about what is, how do we improve the outcome for our animals, for ourselves, for our families, whatever it is. It's always, we're looking at how we improve those things. So I would say that. And I don't think that's, honestly, I don't think that's a problem that's unique to the chicken keeping community, right? Right. That would be across the board for pretty much everything, including humans. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Miss Jennifer, what would be your top three tips that you could share with a new chicken keeper that they could implement pretty easily into their own flock? So top number one tip, if you are looking at getting chickens, if you think you want six, build a coop for 12. If you think you want 12, build a coop for 24. Always double the square footage of your coop size because ultimately every chicken keeper will tell you chicken math is real. It will happen. (laughs) So build, it is build the largest coop that you can for the space that you have available. That would be my number one recommendation. 
the when you over have an overcrowded coop and run, you're not going to have healthy chickens. You're not going to have happy chickens. And it's going to be very difficult to keep clean because there's just so much mess and it just piles up and piles up and piles up. And then that moves me into number two, be ready for poop removal because that is your new number one job. You're going to be picking up poop a lot. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're doing it in the city, if you're doing it in the country. I mean, I guess if you do it in the country, you get a little bit more of a, you can let some of that kind of just decompose into the environment. But if you're if you're doing backyard chicken keeping, get ready because you're going to be picking up a lot of poop. And let's see, what's the uh, number three? Spend time with your birds. Spend time with your birds. Be prepared to spend time with your birds because you will find that the more that you know them and the more that they know you, the enrichment that you give to each other is so amazing. It's just so amazing. I love spending time with my girls. They're, who knew? I mean, I, I Chickens are cuddle bugs. I've got one that comes and tugs on the corner of my shirt when she wants me to hold her. And she will do that anytime I'm sitting doing something that's not paying attention to her. (laughs) Miss Lucy will come up and she wants to be loved on. Um, So, yeah, spend time with your birds. Watch them. Learn their personalities. They're the most cool, amazing Honestly, in my opinion, the best pet you can actually get because what pet gives you breakfast at the same time as cuddles? I mean, there's no other pre- <laughs> there's no other one out there that giving you breakfast. That would be it. That's a very good point. I love that you brought that up. Through bonding, you're going to pay attention to what normal healthy behavior looks like. So when it starts to seem odd or they look unwell, you're going to be able to recognize that pretty quickly because you're going to spend one-on-one time with them. But I do have a boatload of chickens, but I do spend a lot of time with them. So if one of them is off, I kind of know, you know, to pull it aside and to check on them and see what's going on. Yeah. In addition to being able to identify when your chickens aren't well, they're used to you being around. So you being able to pick them up and handle them without them trying to run away and it being a huge thing, that becomes so much easier as well because they're used to being handled. So you can pick them up, look at their feet, check for bumblefoot. It's just so much better all the way around if you get to do it. It'll be more rewarding for the keeper. I'm pretty sure you're a genius. No, no, definitely not. (laughs) I love all the things that you say because they are all true. All true. Oh, thank you. Well, I've learned a lot from you, Miss Ma'am. So (laughs) we love you and the the holler crew, let me tell you. We're a little crazy over here, but that's okay. They have such a vibrant personality and we wanted to showcase that. That was our whole goal. And uh, we do have a lot of tips to share and we have a lot of experience. I wanted to show the personality side that they are not just a chicken. They have names and they have personalities and they bring us joy and they bring us lots of entertainment. They do very much so. That's my best. That's my favorite part of chicken keeping. (laughs) The amount of entertainment I get from just watching them. Do you have any lessons learned or anything you would have done differently? No, I don't feel like, I, I feel like I've done the very best that I could do for them. I wish, there are things I wish that, but they're completely out of my control. I wish that I could have done something to prevent Annie from getting cancer so that we didn't lose her when we did. She was so amazing. And I think my flock would be much more balanced with her still being here. So I miss her immensely. 
I know Agnes misses her a lot. Those two were two peas in a pod. They went everywhere together. They were best buds. But that was out of my control. I, honestly, that, that was out of my control. So there's, you know, there's only so much you can do as a keeper. I think I've been very fortunate in a lot of things so far. Can you tell us a little bit about her story? She was having problems with eating any sort of higher protein snacks. So if I gave her mealworms, she would get diarrhea. She would get diarrhea just a lot more often initially, and I wasn't really sure what was going on. So we started taking her in, and we did blood work and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then she started laying soft-shell eggs. And then after that, the soft-shell eggs stopped coming. And she started to feel get what felt like water belly, but it didn't actually end up being water belly. What was happening is she was actually retaining the eggs in her uterus to the point where her uterus was just full and it was filling up her abdomen. So I'm very lucky. I'm, I'm fortunate to be in an area where we have a large number of poultry vets or, or avian vets that are willing to see and even do surgery on um, chickens. Plus we're only an hour from one of the top uh, veterinary hospitals in the country at UC Davis. So we took Annie. I had taken the decision that I was going to go ahead and get her a hysterectomy so that we could save her life because we knew that she was retaining the eggs if we could get the uterus out and remove the one working follicle or uh, ovary, then then we would actually, I was hoping she'd be able to live, live um, you know, a nice ripe old age because she was only about three years old when she passed. And so we took her in for the surgery and the vet called me um, and I love my vet. I'm so grateful for them. Uh, he called me while he she was still on the table and he said he'd opened her up. And she was just riddled with tumors throughout. Her entire pancreas was completely devoured by cancer at that point. Yeah. So he said that he could go ahead and take her uterus out if I wanted to, but that based on what he was seeing with the cancer, that she probably wouldn't have lived another six months even. So we went ahead and took the decision that rather than forcing her to live through that cancer and through the recovery and everything else, that it was appropriate just to have her put down at that point. So that was the decision that we took. And I miss her so much because she was such a, what's the word I want to use? Her energy was just so calm and balanced. And she was still my matriarch, my flock matriarch. So she brought this calm, balanced energy to the flock and that really balanced out and helped calm Agnes, who is a little on the high strong side, to be completely honest. <laughs> yeah. So she she really brought that balance um, to the flock. And when we had the chicks, I, you know, she wasn't a mom and she'd never gone broody. And I thought I was cautious at first because I didn't want her to give in, to harm the chicks or do anything. But immediately she took right to them. So her and Agnes were co-parenting those little babies, <laughs> little Abby and Annie, uh, Abby and Lucy. So it was, it was really nice while it lasted. And unfortunately we only had the chicks in Annie overlapping for about uh, three weeks. So I think it was not, not, I don't think, I know that it was helpful having Agnes have the chicks at the time that Annie passed, because if she had been alone, I know that Agnes would have experienced uh, a much harder time. And, and she did still for a week after Annie uh, was gone. She went around looking for her. She looked for her. She searched for her. Sorry, I'm going to get a little emotional, but she it was. So, yeah, we miss our little Annie. 
we were lucky to have her. She was an amazing little sweetness. She really was. Yeah. I, I, I think knowing, cause feeling what I felt when I went through, when I lost Annie, it helped me to completely understand where you were when you lost Miss Brittany. And I think that that was a huge driving force behind what I wanted to do when I wanted to offer you that, um, the painting. I got one made for myself of Miss Annie. So, um, Miss, yeah, Miss Laurel. So I'm going to be building myself my own frame, um, a sister frame, we call it. <laughs> so I'll be doing a sister frame for my, uh, for my portrait of Annie. And I will have her displayed in our home, same as you have Miss Brittany displayed in yours. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's hard to share those things, and we appreciate you sharing that. We sometimes just see chickens as chickens. It shows your character. It shows the type of person that you are. I think it's pretty amazing. So, Thank you. I think you're pretty amazing. Could you give us some insight on some of the common ailments and the things that chicken keepers face on the daily in their flock? Just because your grandma did it didn't mean that it was done right. But not saying that some of the things grandma yeah. did was actually pretty good, you know, but everything is evolving though. And a lot of the, like the medications and things that you used yes. to be able to get for chickens, you could go to tractor supply and get them. A lot of the antibiotics, well, they stopped doing that because it was an over a use of, we talked about this on our last episode when you just, you can't just give your chickens, exactly. all of your chickens antibiotics. You have no idea what it what illness they have and antibiotics are so hard on their system. Well, not only that, but then it creates resistant strains. So the next time you need to use antibiotics, they might not actually even work anymore. So that's the most difficult part about just throwing antibiotics at things when it's not bacterial infection that could even be resolved by antibiotics. Right. Like with Wilma, when she was very sick, they didn't even prescribe an antibiotic because there was, it was a, a viral type thing well, they really didn't even know exactly what it was, but she ended up um, not being able to lay eggs anymore. And this was an avian vet now of the largest veterinarian hospital. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't get better, then we'll well, then we'll go from yeah. there. I mean, it's the same thing in animals, the same as it is in humans. I mean, if you're every woman who's taken antibiotics, I think knows you're always worried about: Are you going to get yeast infection? Are you going to get this? Are you going to get that? You don't want to use antibiotics unless you actually know what you're targeting and that they will actually do the job. Otherwise, you're just putting your animal through the hassle of killing all the good bacteria that lives in their gastrointestinal tracts and that they need really to be able to actually even help them heal and to continue to thrive. Or, you know, bumblefoot, which we spent one whole summer, like eight weeks... (laughs) With 16 chickens who had bumblefoot because of a, I had a holly bush. I didn't think anything of it. Oh my gosh. Had chickens at that point, let's say eight years, never had a bumblefoot. All 16 of them. Oh my gosh. One day I noticed Mr. Jangles limping and I was like, what is wrong with him? So I snatched him up and I flipped him over and I was, and automatically I knew it was bumblefoot. And then I started picking one after another. And for eight weeks, I wrapped, changed, clean, soaked. For eight weeks, and then eventually it all went away. But the Im- amount of information on telling me I needed to go cut my oh my gosh, foot I hate that was ridiculous. And I was like, I am no. not doing that. And I didn't. I researched and I researched and I researched and I asked my veterinarian. She said, "Do not." She said, "If you can't heal it on your own, yeah, 
But she said, do that first. And that's exactly what we did. And it took a long time. Agnes actually, um, when we first got her, she developed Bumblefoot quite quickly. And I f- realized it was because she was flying up. <laughs> Here we go. This is when we had, when we first got Agnes, she's all by herself. So I would be working out in the front yard. And um, this little hen didn't want to just stay in the backyard. So she wanted to hang out with me. So inevitably, I'd be working in the driveway. She'd be in the backyard. She would fly up onto the roof, walk over the roof, down into the front yard, and then come walking into the garage where I was just to hang out with me. Yeah, but she kept getting bumblefoot because she was flying up. The roof was really hot over the summertime. She was getting little cuts and whatever. And then it would, I had to look up, same thing as you. And I could not believe the amount of instruction out there that there is about just slice and dice your chicken's foot open. And it's not, that's, that has to be a last resort in an extreme case. That is not something that you should be doing when you don't have, I mean, if you have a pustule in your chicken's foot, if you're at that level, even then the most I would say would be to lance it using a very, you'd have to use something sterile. You just want to get the pus out and then soak, 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 soak. Um, a lot of people will use Neosporin. I'm actually at the place where, and medical professional will tell you at this point, Neosporin has lost its efficiency. Um, iodine is your best friend, my friend. Yep. We use iodine. Yeah, iodine is your best friend. In microscience. Mm-hmm. My vet recommends that. So we'll soak with Epsom salts and um, then I wrap perfect with iodine. I've found an iodine ointment that's not the liquid stuff, that the actual ointment. And I like sticking that on there before I wrap it up. and. I've, I've not had to lance or cut my chicken's foot open one time for a single bumblefoot at this point, just using that methodology. So please, I guess that would be a top recommendation. Please don't take a scalpel to your hen unless you know what you're doing, unless it's really warranted. Maybe even have a vet take a look at it. Send a photo, even if you can't get to a vet, maybe find someone online who'd be willing to look at a photo and give you some recommendations. Maybe one in 20 cases. Most of the time, bumblefoot can be resolved with simple soaking. And especially if you're paying attention to your birds, because then you're catching it early on. If it's just the little black spot and you don't have the pustule and you're not dealing with all of the other things, it will heal on its own. You are actually risking a larger problem by cutting into your chicken's foot and creating an open wound into which more bacteria and even sepsemia can occur because of an infection. So much of what goes into social media is all about getting views and soaking your chicken's foot is isn't sexy and it isn't interesting and it isn't fun and nobody wants to really watch your chicken just soak its foot in a bath. The one last thing I would say, if we if we're continuing to talk about the the previous topic, you know, with regards to bumblefoot or issues, if you're seeing it happen in your flock in more than just one member or it's recurring, you need to try and identify what's causing it, right? And remove whatever that is. So in your case, you identified it's the holly bush. In my case, I identified it that it was my bird running, flying over the hoop and (laughs) the roof and landing from super high. And that's actually with chickens. A lot of times that when they do a hard land, that is not an uncommon thing for them to happen. But in so many other people I've said, have you sanded your perches? Have <laughs> look at your perches. What are you perch? What are your birds perching on? So if you're having recurrent bumblefoot issues, you need to look at what do you have them sleeping on? How wide is your perch? Is it smooth? Is it splintery? Cause all of those things are going to increase the risk of your bird getting bumblefoot. Yeah, don't get me started because I can tell stories up the wazoo, especially about from when I was in veterinary. 
I think most of my most comical stories come from when I was actually still in school as a student and you know, I was going out on externships to work with various hospitals because you have to go and you have to train at different hospitals. So I started out in large animal medicine. I ended up going back to large animal medicine when I finished school. But I did an avian practice. I did a small animal practice. I did all of these things. I had the most fun working in large animal medicine. I think that's ultimately why I went into it. At the avian practice that we did um, in the Central Valley, it was one of the only avian practices at the time that took in raptors. Um, so when there would be a an injured hawk, owl, falcon, you name it, whatever it was, it came to this hospital where I was doing, um, where I was doing my internship. They had this little um, juvenile burrowing owl and his name was Bob. <laughs> and anybody who knows anything about owls, they are completely silent when they fly. So you don't hear them. And Bob was not left in a cage. Bob was allowed to move around the hospital at his will as he wanted to do. So we would be in the middle of doing some sort of a treatment on whoever's parrot or whatever bird was coming in just to be, you know, treated. And, and suddenly, all of a sudden, you wouldn't have Bob land on your head or land on your <laughs> shoulder. And it's, it would scare the crap out of me sometimes. Like I had to close anytime we were doing surgery, I had to close the door on the surgical suite because couldn't risk having this bird come in, landing on me and me just jumping like this. Holy heck. It was the most crazy thing. But Bob was so cute because he'd sit there and he'd like bob his head back and forth. And that was how come he got called Bob because he would just sit there and watch what you were doing and go like this the whole time. It was the most hilarious thing. Oh, I love that. And the other one was um, my first time ever working with goat. I had, went, had gone out on a call with a large animal vet who, who was, he was the doctor and I was just the student assisting. So he says, I want you to catch the goats so that we can, we're going to do, just check them over and also give vaccinations. Angora goats. Angora goats have like multiple horns. So you'll have them coming out the sides and all over. And it's not always the same place everywhere, but they're these lovely goats with this long flowing hair, horns all over. So the doctor reaches in really quick because you've got them flock and they're inside the, the, the barn, but the barn has a big door and you want to prevent them from going out because it's easier to catch them inside the barn than outside the barn. So he reaches in and he just, they go running by and he reaches in and he grabs the head and in a to immobilize sheep and goats, you just tilt the head back and then they'll stop. They'll just hold still as long as their head is held in that position. He made it look so easy. So I'm thinking, okay, I can do this. No problem. <laughs> the, the goats go running by. I reach in and I miss and I try again and I try again. And I'm getting to the point where I'm just so frustrated. He's like, no, don't be frustrated. Take a deep breath. Keep trying. You can do this. So I tell myself at the last, this last time, I'm like, I'm going to grab whatever I can get my hands on. I don't care what it is because he's going, I was watching his hand. He's putting one hand behind the head and one under the neck, under the chin, and then just tilting up. And I was just like, forget this. I'm going to grab whatever I can grab. <laughs> So I reached in and I'm not a small person. I'm relatively large. I'm six, I'm a 5'10". And as far as strength is concerned, I'm, I'm pretty strong as well. So I reached in and I grabbed the goat and I got a hold of a couple of those horns and I just grabbed and I just pulled the, the goat came off the ground like this. And the vet goes, yeah, that's another way of doing it too. And the owner's over here cracking up laughing. And I was just like, I got it. I got it. But I'm holding this goat by its by its horns. Not the whole goat off the ground. Just the front feet were off the ground and the back feet. And the, the poor goat was looking like this. I loved working in veterinary medicine. I, I, I miss it a lot. It's something I think about doing every once in a while, going back to it. I'm going to ask you three random questions. It's going to be fun. Okay. So you're going to answer them. Do you understand? It's going to be fun. 
I understand. Okay, what's your favorite room in your house and why? I have two favorite rooms in my house and they're for two very different reasons. So the one I spend the most time in and the one that's my most favorite is the one I'm in right now, which is still under construction because I'm still doing all of my remodeling on it. But this is my animal room and it's my favorite because it's the one I get to spend time in with my fur and feather babies. It's also the one that has the biggest screen TV and the one where we sing karaoke and annoy the neighbors. So Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, back this bus up. You karaoke, is that what you just said? Um, I do karaoke. My daughter and I are both singers. We both sung choir, uh, and so we, we're regular singers. Oh, you have to sing something. Not right now, no. <laughs> oh, okay. You'll have to come back and sing something. All right. So I'll come back and sing something. Oh, my gosh. I was telling Cammy, my daughter, she's like, Mom, because one of the things I'll do is I'll make up little songs. And I just go around the house singing up little made up songs about whatever I'm doing or singing or whether it's the chickens or the dogs or her. So she was telling me, she's like, oh, mom, you should put together a TikTok series of songs for chickens. You know, like how they have those kid bop albums. But this one's for chickens just making up songs because I'll take like popular songs and change the words on them and then sing them so that it makes sense for chickens. Crazy things I do. So there's that that room. And that's the reason for that one. And then um, my guest room, which is the only room in the house that I've completely finished all of the um, renovations on. So I'm, I'm proud of that room because that one is the one that I've done all the work. If you could be any animal, what would it be? And why? That's a hard question. There are multiple animals I would love to be. But in all fairness, Knowing what I know, I wouldn't want to be any animal at all because sadly humans are destroying habitats and the risk of being, I don't know, having my home destroyed. I don't know. I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole that, that's kind of dark, but I wouldn't want to be an animal at this point because the negative impact that humans are having on animals at this point, especially. I appreciate your answer. I appreciate that. What has inspired you the most in your life? It would be my daughter. She has definitely been the inspiration for everything that I am and have become and have achieved. If it hadn't been for her as a motivator, I don't think that I would be. I Certainly, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation, that's for sure. She's the motivator for me having gone to school and completed my education. She's the motivator for me to have done the very best and set the examples that I wanted. Um, so, yeah, it would be her. Well, that's it, Miss Jennifer. We thank you for being here. We appreciate you. We absolutely adore your face, <laughs> your sass, and everything else about you. You're absolutely amazing. Well, thank you. I'm very glad to have been here, and I appreciate you for inviting me, and I look forward to hearing this and all of your other podcasts. Well, thank you so much. That's it, y'all. Thanks for listening in. If you found value in this episode, could you please share this with a friend or leave us a review? And don't forget to follow Wilma on the gram. Don't forget, there's plenty of room for all of us on the roosting bar. Till next time, bye-bye, y'all. I'm Mel, and you are listening to Wilma the Wonder Hen. <laughs>